0: Hi everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations,
1: committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell.
0: And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM.
1: Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Uh
0: Welcome to another episode of Brewing with Bim. I am Joey Whitney. I've got David Campbell with me as always. Say hey, Dave.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: And I've got David Corticus with us today. Uh, am I pronouncing that right, man? I'm not butchering hey, your I'm last good. name, am I? Got it. Got a lot of vowels in there. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yep. All right. Well, in this episode, we're going to chat with Dave about uh, his background, Bim, and just some cool stuff that's going on. I know, uh, Dave, you and I, we connected. I think you were working for, like, uh, another company back out of Seattle or something. Jesse had introduced us. Maybe you were a client of ours or, or something that that effect. And then you've spun off this whole new adventure, um, and you're doing a lot of cool stuff. I see you on LinkedIn all the time, posting these BIM videos. So Dave and I got to talking. We really, really wanted to get you on this podcast. We're really happy to have you on. But before we jump into it, man, David Campbell, what are you drinking?
1: Oh, actually, so... I have a, I'm going to show you guys uh, a bottle of Pendleton whiskey that is distilled right here uh, at at Mount Hood. So I live in Sandy, Oregon, and uh, Hood River is just down the road from me. And to find that we had a Hood River distillery and some whiskey that is distilled right down the road from where I live, I had to jump on that opportunity and kind of make myself an old fashioned from that. So that's what I'm drinking.
2: Yeah, All right, great
0: one. Uh, Dave, are you drinking anything?
2: I uh, I'm, I'm choosing my my hustle juice. Uh, He's got green his hustle juice. Uh, if I was gonna go with any beer, it'd be a Mac and Jacks. I'm a, I'm a Seattle uh, native and uh, love love the Mac and Jacks there. Oh,
0: Mac and Jacks are delicious. I love them. Yep. I'm drinking uh, some good old Lafroy again. My uh my I'm slim pickings now. I'm out of beer. The liquor stores closed, so I'm down to <laughs> less than a half bottle of Froy, some pre-made margarita mix, and a bottle of wine. What? It's, uh, it's going to get real interesting next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh,
2: you know,
0: thanks for, again, thanks for uh, jumping on the podcast with us, Dave. Um, I think, uh, you know, the way that we like to start off, we just like to get a background of you, how you came to be, where you're at, uh, BIM Synergist's podcast. Uh, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, where you, where you are at, what you're trying to push these days. Um, but I, you know, let's start with a little background on you.
2: Yeah. Well, background. So I'm a construction manager by trade, uh, CM degree from central Washington represent there. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, I, uh, I started off working for uh, general contractors actually down in San Diego. Had a great time. Uh, but it was kind of short lived. They sent me out to Vegas for a job and as a uh, young project engineer, the guys, uh, Decided to hand me this product called Navisworks and told me, "Hey, you got four weeks to start coordination. Uh, now, once you learn this, and uh, it was about a seven-story office building, remember MRA's the downtown uh, Las Vegas City Hall. And, uh, and yeah, they basically just had some notes. so far here, here's what we've learned on on different projects, uh, feedback we've got, and just kind of you know, figure it out. Uh, so that was, that was my that was my trial by fire. It was, it was fun. Got it set up. Uh, a lot of." Uh, uh, Grace on that project, as I like to say. Uh, you know, the the Navisworks, as far as doing clash is a great, you know, it's it's, a, it's an easy software to learn. So that's that was a that was a good part of it. And I was always into technology and using the latest tools, uh, whatever it may be. But uh, the part that I really had to learn, where there's a lot of grace, is running these meetings. You know, realizing I had 15, 20 guys in meetings different times, and they were looking at me to help, you know, figure out what is an issue, how to solve it, what was needed. And and they're looking at at this young project engineer. Um, So that's that's where I had a lot to learn, and that's um, um, so. Then kind of fast forward from there, worked for another GC, went back up in Seattle, and then uh, eventually landed with uh, the company that that worked with you guys at PPI with uh, Basepin, a software uh, collaboration online collaboration software platform. Uh, I ran the services side of that, so doing BIM consulting, and then uh, did a lot of work with that software as far as uh, construction management. Uh, just workflows and project manager workflows and RFIs and smittles and ASIs and work a lot with design teams and owners and and uh, and uh, general contractors. and uh, you know manage detail inside and all that you know through through that experience as well and uh, got to the point where I, I stepped away and stepped back as a project manager and uh, thought I'd get back in the get back in the saddle and 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 was looking looking forward to that but I got back into it and realized all the project managers that were looking along working alongside me in this office. Uh, we're dealing with the same headaches, same communication, same issues that they're dealing with, staying up, you know, working the, in the office late at night, plugging away RFIs, responding to emails, um, and dealing with stuff that I was really solving. That has always been my heart to help guys uh, solve. So, so that's what really kind of that, that experience really fueled me to uh, to want to get out and start and, and eventually did start Bim uh, Synergistics here uh, with the real goal to uh, what I call it, you know, to teach, equip, and coach the construction industry. And everything, not just BIM, but just digital collaboration, digital coordination, uh, using, you know, because BIM is just a part of what we do uh, as an industry, right? BIM is just a, a tool that we use. Uh, it's not the system that we that we want to uh, work with, um, but all the other systems, right, from our communication, how we estimate, how we uh, pre-plan jobs, schedule jobs, um, all that BIM plays into that, but it's not, and is a core piece of, of all that. Um, so, so, so BIM is a central piece, so obviously synergy, bringing synergy, bringing people together. So that's kind of the, the mantra behind uh, BIM Synergistics. And, uh, and so, yeah, this last year, uh, you know, beyond doing just BIM and, and the modeling and the coordination side, we've really grown and, uh, and are now doing uh, the education side and training. Uh, so we, we started doing uh, workshops, online virtual workshops, actually, that came in uh, just with, uh, with all this virus stuff. And then, um, you know, hopefully get back when we get all back to work and back in the office, start doing in person. Uh, and then we're also next month going to start doing, uh, um, actually putting out some courses as well. So um, just a lot of, a lot of the, the training and equipping side on that. And then we do everything else BIM wise as far as modeling coordination. Really just helping, uh, helping step in, fill fill the gap where needed, helping guys to, uh, you know, helping equip guys with models, and the information that they need. So that's a general sense of of who I am, where I've been and it's still growing.
1: <laughs> All right. I, I understand that completely, man. I mean the uh I want to say the consumption of BIM is is constantly growing, I would say, right? Uh in terms of how people are adapting its usage, its interpretations and how they can utilize different areas, how they can use this BIM tool in different ways, right? No, uh, the contractors in, in different senses can use the same BIM tool, but they use it in different ways to kind of supplement their individual workflows. Yeah. And that that's a that's a great that's a great aspect. I, I really do. I, I love that. How how would you say that you got into BIM like originally? What what got you into BIM?
2: Uh, like I said, I mean I think it goes back to, you know. College, you know, back back in days of college, it was just it was kind of a buzzword back then. You know, it was, it was a growing aspect along with lead. You know, it was a yep, growing yep. aspect of the industry, yep. but it was still, you know, a lot lot more buzzwords than actually. Uh, I think lead was coming a little further along at the time. Um, but just the just the thought of using uh, using the best tools to get the job done. Um, I've actually right. always been. I kind of kind of go back to even work with my dad. You know, doing just around the house, doing projects, uh, and <laughs> Story, you know, I'd always look for the the easiest way to do things. I um, was mm-hmm. kind of just as part of me or, or being a teenager, and not wanting to put in the hard work that uh, my dad was driving me towards. Uh, <laughs> but I would, I would always, I was one to always sit back and analyze, okay, is this, is this just the best way to do things? And I, yep. I, I remember painting a shed one time and taking probably 10 times as long as I should have. Because I thought out all the different ways that I could tape things up, and uh, so I could finally just go through and blow through it all, versus just jumping and getting done. Uh, yeah. Let's the way I've always been though. I've always looked back, I've always taken a step back, looked at the process, say, okay, how can we improve the process? And you know, seeing BIM, seeing the models, seeing the technology, like I said, being being tossed at that job uh, from the get-go. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a career path I chose in that sense, but mm-hmm. once I did that first job, and then just seeing like the amount of issues that we were solving, uh, before construction, um, and just the, just the little bit that we were doing with clash detection. I mean, it just, it, it just took off from there. Um, you know, so it was, I, I never, I never looked back after that because, um, you know, from there I actually worked for a, a contractor that before I got, uh, even with the software side and work with that company, um, uh, they actually came onto a, a company I was working with and seeing how using a software like that combined with the models, and having this this open collaboration type platform um, really fueled me you know being a project engineer at the time still doing excel spreadsheets you know for smittles yeah. and, and tracking yeah. things that way uh just like wow we can actually use software tools and uh, and really do things a lot more efficient and and have it open bring people together through the software uh yeah. so that's just, that's and that's still today is is you know unfortunately something we're still lacking uh in the industry as, as just a model and so that's
1: something I, I really push and what I do. Yep. I, I agree. Connecting a lot of that information. I mean, I loved your death of the RFI series. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, it really, it, you shouldn't need it. You really should be able to pull on information oh. you that you need from the model itself. So it, it really should be a kind of, I, I get it. The death of the RFI was amazing. I really, I really get it. So, um, in that sense, I, I also think um, kind of as this BIM tool adapts, right, how can we use it in um, – I'd say as it expands, right? I, I try to say as the adoption of BIM grows right through prefabrication, fabrication, we can uh, kind of utilize this, this tool and start to adapt it in more ways to – um, let's let, let's say supplement, not more just of design, but let's say construction or pre-planning into logistics and into the construction process itself.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think well, you're. I think, see- oh yeah, go ahead, Joe. No man, this
0: is all about you, buddy.
2: Why don't oh. you answer? No, no, I I was gonna say I, I think you know some of that you're seeing now um, with what some of the bigger companies are doing. At least to me, when I think of how. Guys that are using BIM to kind of towards the max or at least getting close to the max on the construction side are doing that with the logistics, the safety, um, and actually getting to uh, not only your crane layouts, but all your scaffolding, uh, phasing of scaffolding. I mean, I, I you know, last, last, about this time last year, I went and visited uh, Hensel Phelps out of the Seattle, uh, the SeaTac. And how they how they use that for some of their scaffolding, I mean how to plan how to keep an entire terminal, a million people a day plus it yep. goes to a terminal. They had to keep that terminal open as they're doing remodeling demo overhead of people. And, and they use bin the entire way to lay that stuff out. Uh to even have prefab done on their scaffolding systems. Uh, if I if I'm remembering the stories right. Uh, but that that type that type of work. I mean you've seen in and, the and likes a lot of the, all the bigger GCs around like around the country. Are starting to use it in that more uh, in that sense, uh, taking hold of it. So that that one, the construction side definitely. Uh, yeah. And then the design side, you know, pushing more information in the models, more clear information in the models, mm-hmm. organized in a more uh, efficient way. I think is where we still need to go. Uh, oh, I was yeah. talking about information in, information out, the model being the central piece, and I think there's a the amount of information right now, um, at least in organized sense, uh, you know, we, we, we have some room for improvement and that, and and and, and, and that's as much software development as it is process development. Um, I think it's it's a combination of both how, not just the tool being developed better, but how we're using the tools to be better. Um, there's some great plugins. I know right now, how to mine the data that's really useful, but those tools exist because a tool like Revit uh, has so much capability in it, and the information is not really managed and not really set up well enough, and the UI is not there for guys to be able to pull the information out as effectively. Yes,
1: I agree. I completely you, agree.
0: It beat me to it the long way around. You, uh, <laughs> you got to where exactly where I was going to go. I was going to say, uh, you know, as we're seeing the adoption because the technology is getting there, and as the technology gets there to aid the different disciplines and the different say logistics for cranes and all that sort of stuff. And it's not just this, you know, really tedious task. It actually has an easy, easy ROI that we can apply to it. Um, when the technology gets there and the capabilities get there, then it just becomes easier to adopt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, I think the exciting thing is your, is uh, really some stuff. I know a lot of this, uh, Joe, you actually a conversation I had uh, about, about some of the AI stuff that they're doing uh, and on, on the forefront of, and, and some of that, I mean, just the, where that's going, we were, and again, we're still years ahead, you know, before we get there, but that that using AI, using a, a computer to organize the information, and I think that's that's where things are really going to take off on that side.
0: Yeah, it's so, I mean, we have to get to a point where we structure data a certain way, but Autodesk is doing certain things with, say, BIM 360 with the, the analytics engine that's mm-hmm. behind it, so it's pat, not only pattern recognition, but eventually it's AI, right? So what we're yeah. doing is uh, we're seeing that, um, you know, as more projects get recorded and analysis starts to happen and say, you've worked with this subcontractor on this type of project, you know, you've got this type of project going on. Now you're 33% more likely to encounter this type of issue working with these subcontractors because this type of project, you know, it's doing all that pattern recognition for you, but there's something really cool that just happened with the latest version of Revit. That has a little bit of AI in it as well. Autodesk is really stepping up their game. So with 2021, that just got released uh, this week, yeah. there's generative design built into it. So as you're modeling stuff, it's telling you all the different, you know, possibilities that you can have with it by you just putting in parameters and stuff. It's 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 amazing where we're getting to very quickly.
1: It is, it is. But it, you'll also notice, since I'm of, of a structural kind of background, um, you'll also notice in structural itself they start. Uh, integrating the structural analysis of the building and, and start using that with the structural connection kind of dynamo uh, script itself. So I can start analyzing how my building is moving and start interpreting that into how I need to um, support this building itself. I think that's great right that's that's really helping people understand i mean you're you're connecting structural engineers you're connecting of course the mechanical all the collaboration that needs to happen within a residential or commercial building itself but you're also starting to connect the understanding of when this building moves how it's going to move because it is going to what what's going to happen from there
0: so what we're seeing is a combination of three things, I guess, to, uh, kind of all on the Autodesk side is the the pattern recognition, the AI, the AI and the real-time analytics that go with that uh, of your design, you know, re- reading into your analysis, telling you that sort of stuff. Um, I think this is all great stuff that's going to further uh, not only BIM and design, but the whole construction industry. Um, it's going to give us different um, possibilities that we didn't think about. It's going to help us mitigate risk and issues later on. Um, I can see, you know, five, 10 years from now, however long it is, um, uh, insurance companies on construction projects mandating that, that, uh, GCs are using specific tools to, uh, predict risk. I know they're already doing it for safety analysis, mm-hmm. um, like you can get some kind of kickbacks, you know, through, through certain, uh, insurance, programs, but, uh, um, you know, I, I really do definitely see that this is going to start to be more more prevalent, especially as we start talking about larger projects, uh, tighter timelines, less dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of where construction goes, right? Yep,
1: yeah, I completely agree. It, it, it's seeing kind of how you can uh, adapt the relationship of who you're working with. I mean, building connected or build BIM 360 itself is taking a look at the design issues from the root causes of um, design, well, deficiencies or code compliance or what have you of I'd say who and what you're working with um, to interpret that into the next project that you're working on. I love that kind of thought process and that adaptation of is if you're working with these people and you're working at this kind of area you might run into these kind of issues and this is how to interpret them how they've got around them in that sense of um uh, that that type of issue yeah Yeah.
0: it's all going to get back to garbage in garbage out though mr corticus though what are you uh what are you seeing in industry right now that's a trend
2: well, I, I was just going off what you guys were talking about with this and, and bringing, you know, I, I, I operate more on the construction side and, and just thinking on the construction side of things, uh, that type of technology, the AI, where I get exciting for me is thinking when, it, when you can empower the, the contractors, uh, the trades, the detailers with the same type of analysis, instant analysis, right? So give them more flexibility. if They're changing ductwork around the parameters set by the engineer for airflow they can be confident that yes I can make these kind of transitions and go to the size ductwork we I mean, obviously we got our, 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 our equivalents we got a match but a lot of that's over oversized over engineered different locations so knowing, hey we can we can actually go to a smaller duct here meet the engineer requirements for airflow or you know know if you're you know inside uh, plumbing code right and, certain, you know, and be able to power and, and have that analysis instantly as you're updating the models to know if something if you're having an issue. You know, hopefully that's a direction going. But but I mean yes. that that AI in that are built into that, and just the the smarter information that we have, um, you know, lot better quality models, you know, and a lot more less human QC analysis basically. I mean, you still. No,
1: I agree. I agree completely. If you know what size of piping you need to use for the system, let's say code compliance. If we could plug that in as the current. Let's say the, the code book, right, as we're designing itself, if the program could let the designer know, hey, that does not comply to what design you know, coordination compliance is and letting them know what does yeah. in the design itself and letting them know what constructability would comply or not would supplement in the, the design process itself.
0: Yeah, having a tool like that, especially as you get through the value engineering phase, uh, construction, where that big swap out starts to happen, you know, let's let's uh, go to a smaller duct or let's let's do this here, you know, that sort of stuff. Those conversations are happening. Having that built in, man, I didn't even—I've never even thought about that. That was
1: just—I've uh, used—I've used the used ductulator. If I'm honest, I'm looking at a ductulator <laughs> yeah. thing that I can move around until i can—I can size it to this size and get away with that for this CFM for this room.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, just just the more the more instant feedback. Now, here's the other side of that, and something that I, that I really push and teach on is that you know, and Joe, you kind of said that you're garbage in, garbage out. Uh, and I'll say we from Zentian, is, is garbage. But there, there's a process that needs to be in place. We have net right now where the trade contractors really should not be making those kind of changes at that point. You know, if, if, if you're asking me and what I what I push and and when I talk about integrated project collaboration, um, especially more design size we want to complete. I mean, coordination right now is still standard job. You know, design builds gets a little better. You have a, contracts kind of help with this, but you're still just doing BIM right before construction, right? You're maybe a design bill early on. You're getting some, you know, enough to, to price off and get a more accurate uh, picture. But your clashes and, and final coordination, the coordination process uh, part of BIM is not happening to right before construction. And if you want the most accurate GMP, if you want the more, most accurate price, that that needs to happen during during design. Um, so you, you really, and that's and that's where. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done a job, and one say my, my, my most successful project I did uh, was a few years ago. And we actually um, I was on the job on behalf of the owner, managing from design team all the way into construction. And we actually had the design team set up doing uh, coordination during design phase. So we started around around beginning early early CD. Uh, we started actually meeting together with the point with the point of doing coordination. We had open open collaboration happening uh, on, a, on a on a system, what I call integrated collaboration system. Uh, we're, we're talking through issues and, and working through uh, just getting the teams together, even getting uh, other consultants involved in the, in the conversation on a weekly basis or a really daily basis. But we actually did coordination, and we, and we handed the job off on that one there. Uh, fortunately enough, actually, the, the consultants, the mechanical, electrical consultants were in uh, 2D, uh, so, we had part part of the budget early on. We knew that coming in early on and what we're going to do. So, we actually were able to model that for them and uh, model in fabrication, meeting their specifications, modeling fabrication because we knew uh, it was a design assist. So, the, we knew the mechanical was on uh, and they were coming on early. But we were able to, at, at 100% CDs, we handed uh, the mechanical electrical plumbing contractors a uh, fully coordinated uh, LED, really 400, but Per specification it was a fully coordinated led 300 model to them we had sleeves laid out we had hangers verified even though they they went in and did their their modifications to make it any they you know, mean, pretty minimal from what we having already uh but just to do kind of their own field stuff they wanted to do but they already had sleeves we had a precast building fully released uh because schedule really drove that so they fully uh, released con or a uh, precast uh, I mean, this was double T's, walls, uh, everything was was, was precast. Um, all the sleeves laid out, already done, steel already released, uh, prefab was, was brought on early on, uh, all before the, the, the main contractors were brought on board. And, that, and that's like, you can do that. <laughs> and it didn't require anything, anything <laughs> extra for the engineer side. Um, it was just when we, we took the modeling from being here before construction, brought it into design, and, and actually had to be a goal and, may, and we had a plan in place to do it and, yep. and, and, it was, and, and it didn't, yeah, it, it was, it was doable. And, it, and we actually, we used AI documents to, uh, for the contract side specification side with them. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. And, and yeah, what anyway, that, that, that's what, what, what I really push.
0: Yeah. What you're preaching, man, it sounds like an IPD type project almost where everybody's involved sooner rather than later, except for the subcontractors. You just handed them something full, uh, uh, have you done any concurrent engineering pro- projects where the subcontractor gets involved earlier and is doing the detail work as they're doing the, you know, or, you know, aiding in the design, I guess, rather, uh, so you can get through coordination uh, that much quicker? Have you done anything like that yet or that, those type of projects?
2: You know, I, I, I've been in some um, both with design build and, and you know, been on the receiving end of what they produce during design build. mean, um, it's funny, you you. you you know, IPD, because actually what I what I do teach on it and what I what I do pre is is I call it IPC, Integrated Project Coordination, um, where it's it's taking IPD principles without the contract. As far as that's the hardest uh, part. Yeah, well, well, was, well, as far as the contract goes, as far as everyone being shared and what IPD is, um, but it's it's a it's more of a process that you can have, you know, your specification of contracts tied to coordination. So mm-hmm. it's getting everyone to buy in the coordination side. And it's mainly, the only difference between a BIM execution plan is it brings design team into it and has a, a level of accountability to design teams. That's that's yeah. really all it's doing. Um, on top of, we use you know, the key part of it is, is the integrated collaboration part, which is using a coordination system uh, like, a, like a BIM 360 or like right now I'm using BIM track, that kind of more issue management type system where you're not going to RFIs, not having this linear process, and it's kind of Kind of what I talk about in the, in the RFI videos is, you know, have a centralized system where everyone is able to communicate on that issue together. Yeah. When you're outside of email, you're not using email, you're not using spreadsheets, to track it. And even, even IPD projects, uh, you know, a lot of time, you know, I, RFIs are not a, a language used in IPD because you don't have that contractual language. So the RFI is not really a document that would use contractually. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of guys kind of get stuck and they have having to, they track what would be RFIs or issues on spreadsheets. Um, so, and a lot of teams are running, run to that and it's, you know, it's great having a big room and IPD project, uh, and you, but you can create the same thing digitally. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of hoping this, you know, well, it's one of the benefits coming out of this, uh, this, this, season that we're all in right now being virtual is that guys get more comfortable and used to working virtually, uh, because there's tools out right now that we can all, we, you can work in that way virtually without having the big room and paying for everyone to be on site. Um, even though I, I, the IPD setup, I, I mean, I love, especially with guys on site, guys who are on site, get them all in the same room. I mean, if you're, if you're on, if you're on site already, yeah, you definitely want that kind of setup. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, but, but you, but you can do the same process uh, on the coordination side. You can do that plan and spec. You can do that design assist, design build. The same type of philosophy. It, it's, it's all about, like I said, the biggest change is bring it back to design team and saying design yeah, team. So- is- Clearly saying this is what we're going to deliver as a design team.
0: Yep. Is that coming from the? So who is who is managing that contract for you guys though? So on an IPD type project, you've got an owner who's doing that. Are you selling yourself to a GC or a mechanical sub and getting everybody to buy off on coordination that, or is this again like through an owner or uh, owner's rep or or what's the what's the typical process for you to I, pitch this whole? IPC?
1: I think I'd like to know that kind of detail as well because I think a lot of people out there are asking. Um, what do I specify in my contract?
2: Yeah, so the, 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 the few you that- You specify not, for them to call David
0: Kortekis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Five, 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 <laughs> five, 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 five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the, the ones up. that are really successful, the, the ones I've been a part of uh, that have really done that has, has been owner-driven, uh, okay. owner-driven and owner rep. Mm-hmm. Uh, driven because they, they they brought us on early enough and this was uh this is both past life and, and what i've done now uh, but it's it's owner driven and so it takes an owner to understand and this is where I, I you know i was looking forward to working you know talking to you guys more because you guys work a lot obviously with design teams and in, in engineering uh and i i, I kind of set a goal for myself this year to get more engaged with design teams because design teams i, I mean i love them i know when we get into bim and models and talking quality models mm-hmm. You know, we, we like to throw a lot of slack towards our design teams, but they I, I, I love working with different design teams, and they they set the tone on projects. Uh, they're they're doing what they're used to doing, and there's no drive. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of drive, but the contractors right now are just used to getting what they're getting. I've had I've, I've had this kind of conversation with different mechanicals, and they're like me, like, well, yeah, that'd be great, but. You know, we we have this process built in place because we're used to yep. getting their models like this. Yep. So and yep. Then In a sense, saying, well, we, I don't need them to do that because we already do this, this and this. And it's like, well, you don't need to do that if it was done here. Uh, yes. And, and, and to get to so there's we're kind of in this groove or in this kind of rut of used to getting what we're used to getting uh, based on the contracts that we've had for 20, 30 years, specifications that we've had 20, 30 years. And the specifications that are written are really—they're there to protect the, the, you know, design teams in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but they're, you know, when you do this and in some of the contract language, I said I, I, I use—I pull in AIA, um, AIA bin documents, uh, the bid, mm-hmm. the uh, G202, uh, the E203. They're great documents. They're great how they're done because they—they they bring when when used correctly. There's a, a, a pass-through level where consultants and, and even you know GC gets involved, so their trades. There's a path, pass-through clause and bringing the contracts, and it has great outlines as far as getting into model elements and LD and how this information is going to flow. Um, and, and, I, and, and it protects design teams, protects people receiving the models. It brings a, an equal level of accountability. Yeah. Uh, I mean, design teams, for example, I mean they have you sign away because they don't want to account, be accountable for you know, obviously all the extra information they have in yeah. the models, all the extra phases, all that, all that stuff. And it's so easy to break it down by model element to say, okay, lighting. For example, you know, yes, we're gonna we're gonna represent the lights in 3D, but you can't go. Uh, we talk we're not I model author, but the model use, right? Define the model use. You can't go and order that piece of that, that light fixture uh, based on the information that's in the model. But we can use it for coordination. It's the right size, right? We I mean, may or may not include include the clearance zone. We, we can define that, uh, but we're also going to say that you are not allowed to go order fixtures off of this. You can you can you can get your quantity off of that, uh, but you can't you can't go order it. So it leaves that level of protection. Says yes, we will release you to use some of the model information instead of having you sign away on all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just brings that it, it's it's like I say, it's really well done to bring people together. Uh, yes. it, it just takes upfront saying yes, we are going to do it this way, and and it's you know you, you can set the rules in place.
1: Yes, I agree, man. I, I really think the more information that we include up front uh, as we kind of talk about contracts, right? Uh, contracts are always, uh, I, I'd say, kind of confusing to navigate for every party that's involved, knowing what they need, knowing what who needs to do what. But in terms of what's going to benefit everyone, um, knowing what's, I, I I guess, going to – benefit the situation in that project specifically in, in terms of what materials are going to benefit or what what terms we can use, whether modular or non-modular construction, would benefit that specific construction uh, project itself. Yeah, you, know,
0: you almost need a disclaimer as well as, well, there always has to be an upfront conversation, but it's hard when you don't know who's going to be involved later on to figure out what's important to them. You know, you can Mm overmodel overmodel the hell out of one thing that means nothing to your rendering at all, but you just overmodeled it for no reason and everything else um, that was, you know, information needed. You did dumb detail lines that uh, are on a, on a sheet somewhere that that you can't even, you know, people are looking through your model that you hand over later on. They don't even know, but you just got to be upfront in my mind, upfront, have that disclaimer. uh, As you mentioned, David saying, um, uh, you know, look, we know your model's not perfect, but um, you know, we we want to use it for these purposes. Let us at least have it.
1: This is what we need. Can
0: take it apart, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. It, and and that's, I mean, when I come in on the construction side and, and and come in and have you know the design team involved, that's a lot of the conversation. And once you start outlining, you know, what I, I, I get design teams engaged because um, no, we're not we're not asking things to be perfect. You know, we don't expect it. We don't, we don't really in a lot of ways need it to be fully perfect to the level of every single detail, but we just want, we want walls to be in the right location, <laughs> the right yes. size, right? The right depth <laughs> yes. uh, to, to yep. represent. And Revit does that. We want, you know, we don't need them labeled correctly necessarily and all the data tied to it. We just want geometrically in the right place. And then also, but also with that, the contractor to agree that they are going to build that wall in that location based on the yes. model. Yep. Right, not to go off some, you know, and, and we're still in this practice of building this model, doing all this, and yet relying on dimensions on a 2D detail somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm still seeing that constantly. We're like, hey, we're coordinating this wall, and hey, but this this section or this this you know this this enlarged plan doesn't match your 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 mashup, your plan view. You know, oh yeah, yeah, and that's that's the dimensions. It's like, well, no, that that doesn't matter. Like we can't coordinate this unless we have that in the model. So now we're having to use 2D dimensions to coordinate it. Yeah. It's like, no, let's, let's at least get the walls in the right place, ceilings to the right thickness in the right location, yeah. uh, or to the right elevation. I mean, elevation is there, but the right. you know, thickness, right? The actual inch and five-eighths, you know, for ACT and, you know, actually what's specified. Yes, things may change. We have the contractor, but at least match specified. And some of that, I mean, it's, it, that part's getting better, uh, especially, I mean, Revit, you know, is involved a lot and they help guys with that. So, I mean, that's got easier. But just to get guys, I and mean, once you say, hey, this is all we're needed for, um, but the big, I mean, for me on the coordination side, on the, on the construction side of coordination, design teams is hey, just give me a model, ex, really an export that has what we need to include in it. When they hand off a Revit model, and you got so much stuff in, this way, I like, think you know I did I did, a, did a video the other day about about Revit you know views. You know, just export out what is needed. Don't include all the extra phases. Don't include oh you know ceiling option one, two, and three that we had in there for some reason or architectural using steel that's outdated in their yeah. model just for detailing purposes it's like turn that stuff off give us a model that's clean and that's and that's also it's in the plan too because it's um you know what I what I teach on cuz when you when you build a plan it's you know your model uh, only including your model for coordination what you've authored or if you're yeah. if, if it's stamped on your drawing you include it so yeah. architects including lighting plans if 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 you're stamping that then okay but if it's coming from electrical drawings, it needs to be an electrical, right? Yep. And vice versa. I mean, there's, there's, there's.
1: Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you're good. You're good. That's awesome. That's right where we're going into. I mean, like yeah. with the adoption of BIM 360, we're seeing the um, kind of I, I want to say that adoption of interference check within Revit, right? Like that, where you know you link people in, you link different models in, you can see what's going on. If you adopt that within BIM 360, you're seeing these models kind of adapt instantly as they're adjusting and this interference checker this clash detection is happening automatically right even if we are uh, adopting model coordination of bim 360 you're seeing what's happening where and you can kind of move off of those uh, like issues that you might have with design itself and run into kind of coordination and then construction and if you're solving those issues sooner it's going to save you time and then moving into the construction process itself as the design itself changes you know that you know as construction we know that construction itself is is a different monster people construct things as as they need to on the site itself. Right. Yeah. You're going to send out those journeyman carpenters or pipe fitters, kind of what have you. And they're going to go out to the site and they're going to look at it and say, no, this is what needs to happen. And, and with knowing, knowing they kind of have that in their head and how they're going to adjust that. Right. And, and adapting that into the as built design model, but adapting that into the information of the building itself, is going to help with the entire process in terms of not just knowing how we build it now, but knowing how we're going to build it later.
2: Yep. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you know how much just having clash section through design phase and have that, how much of different, I mean, that's, that takes away more than half of your effort during standard construction BIM coordination right there. More, more than probably 80% right. right if the design team just were class free I had one project I actually worked with, and I'll call it DRL Group in Seattle. Did a job with them on uh, on Google and uh, years ago, and their mechanical engineer had took pride in his road model to make sure it was clash free. And man, mm-hmm. what it took day, I mean, weeks off our schedule. I mean, it was a <laughs> large large building, it was an office building, but I mean, it, it it took and just his his engagement involvement was was amazing on that. Um, and 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 then to the, you know, turn around and see how quickly on the job. You know, like I told you guys on on the job that we handed the models off the, to the contractors, they were off the fabrication within weeks. You know, from from, that's from awesome. the, the fabricate awesome. because they received a coordinate model that was verified QC'd and then the process was managed. Um, and and that's and that's with them doing some updates and then they're off. You know, and the shop process was a lot simpler because it was this, I mean, the engineer model was was basically was close to aligned. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot easier to check. They're they basically using what, what was given to them. Uh, but the other thing you're talking about different projects uh, that, that ties mm-hmm. to this as well is the fact that different projects require, you know, have such different requirements. Uh, I, I, I'm not all for, I like the general uh, parameters that they give, you know, some of the national BIM standards and LOD. We're talking about LOD, mm-hmm. and everyone's got their different view of that. Uh, but use a national standard versus, Look, at every job is so different. Um, I got a lot of jobs where, you know, all the smaller jobs we try to get into where guys are comfortable doing stuff in the field and not having hangers, you know, in a model or not getting to that level. Or uh, electrical is a big one where there's a lot of jobs where you don't need um, to get down to conduits, even groups of, you know, we always say, hey, if it's groups of four or inches uh, or an inch and a half or so. But I mean, I've had jobs with specifications, right, that said you must model down to a half-inch conduit. Are you mm-hmm. kidding? Like, who is like any any electrician is going to look at that and be like, I don't need that. Let me <laughs> some people that yeah. I can make this work, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, or or they're using MCT, or they're using MCT, right? And they, they can get out and they're using some some some, some flex, right? Yeah. Uh, or it's just not needed. But then you got other jobs where guys are like, yeah, we're going to prefabricate these, or or yeah, we have. 20 one-inch conduits. we need to go through there. Like, yeah, we need to have that. So I always outline again, if it's in your model, then we're, then, then you've reserved that spot. If it's not, and you leave that flexible for the job. Right. Yep. And that's, yep. you know, so, so and again, it comes back if you set this parameter of, Hey, this is what the design team is going to provide. This is the level of detail they're going to take it. Um, and, and you're clear as far as what, what you're going to get. Not only does that clarify the contractor then they they know, okay, this is, this is what we can plan for. Um, versus, you know, every job's kind of mystery right now, right? Until you get the rev model, you don't know to what level of detail or what level yep. coordination you're actually getting. So everyone plans for the worst, so the owner's end up paying for it. Um, versus clearly defining this is what you're going to get, this is what uh, is going to be needed, and then the contractor say, "Yep, I can use that," or "Yep, no, we have to take that to this level in order to fully coordinate this one." Um, yes, but, but it's just, it's not defined. It's it's generalized and it's specifications that just you know, protect design teams and and put on the contract to do. do?
1: Yes. Do you think that that's.
2: It's that gap. Sorry, Sorry,
1: Joey. It's that gap we see in between construction and design itself, like knowing what needs to be designed and knowing what level of constructability it's going to be. That's really what it is. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so now I'm going to play the devil's advocate here.
1: But, um, uh, there it think goes
0: that, uh, <laughs> any of this is going to change though like your perspective maybe as we get more into the prefabrication side you say we don't need a detail down to a certain LOD and that's fine from maybe the engineer's designer standpoint but we know that the subcontractor is kicking out shop drawings and their, their, their detail is way more um, uh, in depth than any of the uh, the designer's engineers so you know maybe the design engineer. Might not need it, but uh, the subcontractor is definitely going to want it, uh, especially if they're doing minimal changes, which we we know doesn't happen. But say a concurrent engineering project where they are doing detailing while engineering design is happening. Do you think that maybe as we get more into prefabrication that those um, high level of detail is actually going to be more beneficial because they're involved sooner and they're prefabricating more?
2: oh I, I, I absolutely where, where I say depends on I mean different jobs vary uh, so yeah if you're if you are doing prefab well even even standard jobs right most most jobs you got MVP involved yeah you're going to have fabrication content I would go the opposite in, in, in that sense to say and I like to see engineers uh, with with fabrication being using revit i I would love if engineers are actually using fabricated content if you're specifying to use cast iron, PVC, whatever your specifications are, model the dang thing using that in Revit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's yeah. actually a lot, they're actually a lot easier to use as far as just moving around and tying things together than using out of the box Revit parts. Yep. Right, you get a lot more usability, it's easier and, and, and it transitions a lot better and you get a lot more easier transition for guys. If guys are gonna change it, it's easier to change the systems out. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot easier workflow than what we're doing right now. Right now, owners are having to pay for two models, uh, an average of like two and a half models, I think, yeah. that's, that show that they had to pay for. And so, why not? I mean, it's it's yes, yeah, there's an education side that needs to happen on the on the, on the to the to the design side, and that's hopefully where I I mean, we talk if they will things change. I hope so. Um, I hope engineers, I hope design teams will will get more engaged. I hope the software gets easier for them to do that. Um, you know, and and, that, and that's why I, I I made a goal to really want to engage more design teams in this conversation. Uh because I, I think it's important. I think there's there's you know, yes, there'll be some extra training involved. Um I would love to see, you know, ideally my my, my, my perfect world, uh that bid managers that were contractors, uh that they would all be employed by engineers and, and architect firms. Mm-hmm. That, that that level of coordination would happen before we even went to, to construction. Um I, I think that's a, I think it's a dream shot, but <laughs> uh, if, if we're in this, this, but yeah, Joey. As far as that goes, yeah, I mean, fabrication side earlier on. Unfortunately, even uh, I'd say even and haven't. It's been a couple of years. I've been involved, involved, along with mechanical, involved in design, build side. But even the engineering side on uh, inside mechanical or inside you know MEP side of uh, of the industry. Uh, even their in house engineering group. A lot of them because they're training in college and, and stuff how to come out with Revit uh, and what to use. A lot of them are still just using Revit and out-of-the-box Revit. So they're actually yeah. they're giving their fabrication yeah. side the same quality of model that they're getting from outside engineers. So just because so, you have a yeah. design contractor involved doesn't mean the model itself isn't any, any better. It's just that they own the process, so you can kind of drop the hammer on a little more, have a little higher expectation of what <laughs> they're going to give you uh, in the end. But I mean, it doesn't yeah. involve a lot of those, and, yeah, what you get internally from their engineers is not any better.
0: Nope. Well, if they would, if we could figure out, you know, maybe an education process, maybe somebody's going to hear it on this podcast and they'll go out and figure out some solution. Yeah, but, let's build
2: it. Let's do it. Let's
0: do it. <laughs> yeah, let's build. Let's. Hey, we got a development sure. team that's just reeling with our ideas, building a bunch of stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. so we'll, we'll keep them busy for a while.
2: Yeah, well, I'm literally there. I, I have education courses coming out, so let's, let's do it. Um, yeah. All you, right,
0: I, man. All it's it's right.
2: Engineers well, want to learn BIM. Let's let's talk.
0: <laughs> well, well it, here's what I was going to say. Uh, if we got if we fix that piece right and we got the engineers to design, like you were saying, with the fabrication components, if they just simply switch their process to enable the fabrication services, go ahead and did the model of the fabrication services, the subcontractor. It, it doesn't add any time to the to the engineering side, maybe you know, no. two minutes to choose the, the, the services and turn them on. But once they have that in there, and as long as they're in Revit and using the fabrication services, when it gets to the subcontractor side, it is so much easier to change those services than it is to convert existing Revit families into those services or Re- Revit content into those services. Mm-hmm. It would save so much more time for them to go ahead and start in fabrication rather than convert everything from uh, um, you know, pipe at a time, service at a time, whatever it is, to mm-hmm. a fabrication service. It would, it, it would just eliminate so much more. But that said, Revit could do better at handling fabrication services in general. Maybe there'd be a better swap process or something, but yeah. well, I, I love it.
1: In that case, I'd ask, David, what do you think that we could do better with BIM? How do you think BIM itself could advance to better the construction process?
2: Ooh, that's, that's a big... <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs>
1: That's a Charlie Sheen question.
2: It's big because, I mean, because Vim itself, so, like I said, Vim uh, as a tool, you know, has such capability, right? It, it impacts so many different uh, systems that we use from, you know, coordination to prefab uh, to layout to, you know, safety and scheduling and estimating I mean, all those systems that we have in place, um, BIM, you know, is just a tool that's using all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, how BIM, you know, can you? I, I think the biggest thing for me, and this is because what what I I'm the most advocate for is more uh, the right information earlier on. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, this conversation we we're just having here about Revit, we're design teams, Revit getting getting easier for design teams to, to yeah. do that. Uh, design teams getting getting trained, you know, on the MEP side. Um, and and fire right, getting the right information in uh-huh. the model early on, uh, and having that stuff modeled with the right content, and and even even having the right, uh, you know, like uh, insulation is a big one that's never turned on. And then once you turn it on, you start plugging stuff in. All of a sudden, you know, they they can have a class free model, but if you don't have insulation, it's going to be junk, yeah, right? Yeah. So having the right information burn on your insulation
0: front, boundaries, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Buffer, come on.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, but, but that so having the right information up front, um, and I think, uh, and then the other thing is is the communication piece. I mean, that, that's always that's that's I think something's not talked about enough. That's why I talk a lot about you know cutting RFIs out. You know, guys, RFIs get cut out has been something we preach for years, right? Yeah. That's every software system out there preaches RFI is going to be cut out. Well, that's not you know, just the reality of that though, of, of, of truly, um, uh, and it's not. People get say, Well, it's going to cut out my ability to, to get changes, right? That, that was an old school mentality. I think you know that's still around, unfortunately, as far as why someone wouldn't a contract wouldn't have you know RFIs. And it's not changes aren't going to happen. You're not you're still going to have questions. It's it's having better quality information up front, yeah. uh, so that you're eliminating. You got a lot more known information. You know a lot of contact, We'll, we'll talk about you know predictable construction um, and, and and being being open and 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 um, Transparency and all that. Those are kind of marketing things that a lot of contractors talk about, and that that comes from having been up front, better quality models up front. Uh, no, the communication I, piece, you know, clarity in the handoffs, clarity what's actually been being provided, yeah. and and what's uh, you know, just even even if guys and this is going back to our previous conversation too, even if design teams are not going to model to a certain content, a certain LOD. That's fine. Clarify it. Have it up front known that no, we're not going, the design team, the electrical engineer is not going to model conduits. Okay. Yeah. Then the contractor knows and they can approach that if that's going to be an issue for their project or not, right? Yeah, um, at least, At least clarify. And then the communication as far as the project itself and really, uh, and really I, I talk about breaking down, breaking down the walls between design and construction side, and that's why integrated collaboration, getting uh, everyone on the same platform to communicate outside of RFIs, you know, our fight to me is like lobbing. You're lobbing a rock. You're lobbing a question over the wall, <laughs> to find team, letting yep. them work it on, letting the owner. Right, if you, you, you know, somebody and, to throw you back an answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, yep. and even like you know, for example, as us on this job, we had a um uh an issue for, for plumbing, and let's go back to classic. All all of our conversations we've had, but I had a plumbing line going through um going had to go through steel plus ceiling levels right at the bottom of steel mm-hmm. plumbing had to go through over that ceiling and uh. Steel steel penetration was not noted at the drawing, uh, we sure, hey, it's probably probably you know needs to be anyway. So we started looking at it. Well, it's not it's, it hit the bottom core of the of the adjacent steel at the next uh, grid line. It was hitting mechanical system, and, and I mean it was a whole whole mess, right? Uh, so we wrote the question, or we brought the question. I had to wait, or we as a team waited two days to, before we had an engineer in a meeting. Uh, then we had to put the RFI, and there was another three days before we got the RFI back. Uh, already I mean I, we had a model and we were, we were progressing but I mean that's that's five days there just to yeah. have the conversation not all the guys were in the conversation that we needed to have it was just deal we needed to have mechanical and other, other people involved so we needed to make sure the right people were on the conversation if that would have just been if all those same people would have been on on the actual integrated collaboration system mm-hmm. um, you know which which I, I just called that there's a lot of tools that do that but that's what I call it uh, if you had all those guys involved in a system like that, they all would have got notified the same day. Uh, engineer, like we we the, the solution was a reroute dropping down a different shaft and drop down vacation. The plumber, the engineer, uh, mechanical engineer would have proved that right away. I mean the same day. They were okay with it, no issues. Steel would have said, Yeah, we can't do that. We can't there's no flexibility there on the sleeves. You know, that's not gonna work. And architects, you know, would have said, Yep, you know, we need it we need to do something differently, we can't lower our ceilings. All within this, you know, same day. And that's that's what so communication is big to me. Um, in a real life, you know, situation I experienced when I was a project manager. The last uh, job I had as a project manager, I was actually on site, brought a system in. Uh, it was not a BIM job, so this is this is something I preach. Even BIM's not really being used to its full 3D capacity. Um, but we were coming uh, underground. How, how much underground uh, uh, unknown uh, systems we were coming across? Anyways, I was I was in a meeting, the project manager. I meet mean, a meeting. During this meeting, uh, the guys discovered a pipe that wasn't supposed to be where it was, uh, so they had to reroute the water. They sent out a, an issue to, to the team, including myself, the civil engineer, architect, structural engineer, because it impacted the footing, and the owner was engaged in this one as well, and said, hey, this is what we have going on. This is what we propose. What do you guys think? Civil engineer putting their two cents as far as what compactions that they needed and what they wanted to do, and they were going to update their drawings. Uh, mechanical engineer said, yep, not a problem. It's not going to impact incoming water, so we're good. structure engineer had his, you know, two sets of what they want to do with the footing. Uh, and then even the owner was able to jump on the horn, get his uh, group involved, his maintenance, be able to do a shutoff that they needed to do at, at this campus. All while I was in a meeting. And I, so I get out of this meeting. This whole conversation has happened already between all these players because the notifications went out to everyone instantly. They saw it. Everyone jumped on and, and commented on it. It was all really easy. For each one of those people, it was an easy solution. And I get out of the meeting. It's already resolved. I'm saying, yep, go ahead. Let's move forward. Within like an hour or two, I got a change order in hand for what, what it's going to cost. And then I'll be the to shut down the next day and get a result. If that would have been the current standard process that we do now, it would have been an email sent to me or a phone call that I would have had, you know, you know a voicemail mixed in with, the, you know, five, ten other voicemails I have. It would have mixed in with, you know, 30 plus emails that I would have had in my inbox. I would have got it sometime later in the afternoon or actually would have had a chance to check on my emails or get back on the, on the phone calls. And I would have been up, you know, probably staying later in the office that night, uh, trying to make the calls, trying to get things going, trying to arrange a meeting the next day to have this conversation needed to happen because it's a critical issue. And it would have been a couple more days before we actually had the RFI back, you know, or a day or two. And that's and that's on a smaller job where it's where it's easier i mean bigger jobs you know your days having those kind of conversations and meetings um and, and it would have been a fire for everyone jumping to jump in a meeting and so and so is that that communication piece is huge so though it's not bim as far as the models go but the coordinating and be able to communicate around the information is huge and that's what i like some of the different tools that are coming out with that i mean uh, uh vr you know being newer i think is going is going to really help people visualize and pre-planning design teams um holding i mean guys are holding meetings and trying to hold meetings that that's i'm so reluctant reluctant for some of that right uh yeah, yeah. but 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 it, it is going to play it is going to play some some view you know definitely get owners involved and getting uh getting the feel for things um is, yeah. is good uh photogrammetry doing 360 photogrammetry i think is another big one that's going to help that communication piece um it's another one, you know, instant QC on 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 installs stuff is, is, is also there, but it's like photogrammetry. If you're so focused on the QC part and, and and using it almost like a replacement laser scan. That there's there's a communication piece I think is not being utilized right now with it as much. Uh, the fact that you can have, actually, got one, I got mine right here. The fact that you can have, you know, someone got in the field is going to take pictures anyways. Hold this up, take the scan, and I can be in my office as a project manager. He can have an issue. He can say, hey, I need to take a look at this, scan it, and then I can pull it up on my computer instantly and be standing in that same location as, as if I'm sitting next to him and look around at it in the same view as he's looking at it on, in the field. Um, so there's tools like that on the communication side that can greatly benefit the industry. Um, yeah. So that's my –
0: no, that's perfect. This is what David and I yeah. talk about every episode. We talk about uh, AR, VR, what people should be doing with it. You know, the uh, 360 cameras, whatever you're mentioning. I mean, whatever you're talking about. Like we 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 talk about that on just about every every podcast. We love it. We just want to drive that technology forward. But these yeah. integrative. I love the the phrase you you, you coined here. Uh, integrated uh, collaboration tools. You know, the BIM tracks or VITSOs, the BIM 360s. Yeah. They're they're, you know, really uh, um, streamlining our processes uh, as far as not just, you know, coordination, but uh, getting answers. And I, I like to think of it in terms of uh, peer pressure. You're peer pressuring everybody. Like, you're seeing issues go out. Like, I need this yeah. dealt with now. You know, Joe so-and-so, so, you know, dealt with it. Why aren't you on it? Like, it, it's adding a whole new layer to this. I, I love yeah, the, the dynamic that it brings.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, it's something again that's underutilized right now in BIM tracks just for, for issue tracking. And there, there's kind of when I when I have a conversation talk issues, there's there's also a copy as far as there's certain requirements for things to be part of that system. Right. There are some tools out there that uh, I don't talk about be you know competitive BIM three sixty, but there's there, there's some tools out there that kind of marketing that ability that aren't quite there yet. Um yeah. that, that that are you know, and it's, it's not for, and this is this is something, and this is kind of just a pet peeve of mine when I see guys on, um, at least on the Track side, it's not for clash, right? Yeah. Don't, it's not every single I, I preach this. Do not put every single clash in there. It has the ability, it's nice, but let Navisworks do what Navisworks does, right? Yeah. Communicate, like use the right tool to communicate what you want to communicate. Navisworks communicates the viewpoints. Of, if you see something visually that you want someone to look at, or you got something that you want some guys to move. Or a class test, like yes, use Navisworks for that. Uh, if it's something that we need to talk about as a team, or something that we'd bring up in a, in a meeting, yeah. absolutely, issues log, everything goes there for that. Even design design issues, and then you know, if it needs to be an RFI or design change, you know, you can you can take it from the log from that to something else. But um, you got to have everyone in the same system, and 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 that's another requirement too. You got to have I got I got it's actually gonna be a future video or something. I gotta, I gotta put this out there, but. There, there's about five or six things that you need to have in order for it to be a true integrated collaboration system. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, everyone engaged in it. So you got to have, it can't just be the BIM team. It's got to be all the project management, design side, um, owners that they're engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, even the even the field, right, is, is ideal. I mean, I've had projects, we've had 100, 120 people on dashboards uh, using an using integrated collaboration system that, uh, you know, and used throughout. I've had to replace RFIs. Um, use a system like that. Um, and it's just it's it's so much smooth. You can still price change orders from it, right? You don't need right, you're just you're just, instead of referencing an R five number, you're referencing a BIM track issue number or whatever, yep, whatever it might yep. be. Um, for me it's really the, it's it's the it information
1: up. that you can pull out of that model, right? I mean that's the biggest thing for me is any is the information that anyone at any any given time can pull uh, any information out of that model.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and and you're talking just using the tool for the communication piece. Yep. Right. And, and and the model side and and not having to go through, you know, just just going putting things back into paper, right? Having the model yeah. reference, having the, the issue put in place. Um. Yeah. The other the other piece I like on, on this and kind of on this topic is is uh, in, even in Smittles we're talking communication. Um, this is something I like. You know, if you guys can influence Autodesk at all, um, <laughs> you know, something that we worked on my my you know previous company was on the smittles side, even having integrated collaboration with Smittles. Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: which was a which was a new concept, and, and guys, we had we had some projects, thousand Smittles that loved it. Um, where you know the biggest thing that comes in is, is you have a Smittle goes goes through gets reviewed, you know, engineer lighting something they don't like about the Smittle, and that part or that Smittle gets rejected. Then you're having to go back and having to recircle around. It's like a figure eight track, right? Just mm-hmm. goes around and gets submitted. You know, they'll like it version two, okay, version three, until they finally get it fully approved versus sending it through and having, you know, yep, yeah, we need a, we, we need more information on this piece of equipment or yeah. oh, this lighting is not right or can you, can you submit some more information here? Instead of being rejected, be able to have that communication back and forth on, yeah. that, on so that issue.
0: You and I need to dive into uh, Bin 360 build. I got some cool stuff I want to show you
1: <laughs> off,
0: off track that's going to change your mind a little bit because we, we do have this capability. Um, but we can revisit
2: that, man. It's it, yeah, no, it, it's been on our list. I know it's been a while since I've seen that side, and uh, I know I, I started playing around with it, but I didn't get too far on the dock side. So yes, we, we do because I mean, it, but it's just the tools are there, right? And the fact that you, you say yeah, we have a tool that does that. But the the philosophy and the mindset of our project manager, I mean, is it's what we're trained on. It's just it's not natural, right? We're used to yep. in this middle end review it, send it back to me. And so, I mean, the same same mindset with issues that I have with middles is quit lobbying stuff over. And let's let's have the conversation. Let's have use a contractor, trade, the engineer, architect, whoever's involved in this. Build if something comes up, let's all know about it at the same time. Uh, this idea that contractors need to GCs need to control the, the flow of, of the conversation, right? I know I'm gonna I'm gonna take this guy's comment and I'm gonna I'm gonna change the wording to then send it off so it's more professional or you know, whatever. It's like no. And that's and, and and we used to talk about using issues and stuff and guy and, and someone always asks questions. Well what if someone asks a stupid question? What if someone says something that they shouldn't say? I've never seen it happen in all the projects all the time. Like guys know there's a level added level of accountability there. So guys are going to communicate a little more professional. Uh, but that's just it's just day and age. We're used to communicating electronically now. Yeah. Right? We got, to, we, got to, we get, we, get to, we text all the time. We're just we're used to it. Um, so you just don't have those kind of issues. So let your you know, let your contractor talk directly to the electrical engineer about stuff. You're you're engaged, you're in the process as a general contractor. Yeah. You can still have, you know, you're still contractually or are, are obligated to what you're obligated contractually. Um, but let the conversation happen and just be a part of it. Yep. You 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 do the same thing in a meeting that you schedule, <laughs> right? Um, you're not playing a telephone game during a meeting, so why why do it with documents?
1: Yep. I agree. I that's agree. That's why.
0: That's why people like you are so pivotal. Um, you know, we talk about. So so if I had to like put you in a nutshell, man, like I'm just trying to be engaging this whole time. I was thinking like, you know, this, you've kind of got like this great mentality, like you're process driven, yet you're, you're technology supported in those processes, but then you've kind of got this lean mindset to the whole thing, like just get all this garbage out of there, but you know, let's focus on the process and supplement it with technology. And that's, that's a great mindset to have. So having somebody like you have these conversations to help kind of drive that, that technology process, um, you know. You know, you're talking about in a perfect world, we can do this and this and this. But the technology is out there, but getting yeah. those mindsets to change, like you are a pivotal yeah. person to have those those discussions. And, and I think that's why you're so successful at what you do.
2: Uh, I, I appreciate it. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, keep, keeping it simple is a big, big, you know, mantra, too. And that same execution plan, what come execution plans or contract stuff. Uh, it's it's not i've seen guys get way too detailed way too into it i mean i had jobs where we've i've dissected their execution plan talk to pm and say hey you got issues here 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 you know this is this is not going to be you know help your job and you know this is eight months in the coordination they're like yeah I, i've never even read that i don't even know what that even you like you're writing contracts tying guys to this and, and that's where some some company they're like and I get it. The evolution of yeah. contracts. just like the evolution of contracts, right? I've gotten more intense and more yeah. in detail. Same things happen on BIM and execution yeah. points, too. It's like, no, let's back up, realize what you what we got, um, and, and, and yeah, simplify. So, yeah, lean, lean, cut out, cut out stuff. I'm all for that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of that stuff is, John created that 12 years ago, and we just <laughs> left it in there. Or we downloaded that from Penn State, and, you know, we just thought uh, it sounded cool, so we left it. Or, you know, there's, like, well, it's the way we've always done it without actually looking at why you're doing it. And that's, that's really important these days, especially.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah and same thing. I mean, technology too. I'm, I'm real. I'm all about promoting tools and technology that works, right. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of hype around tools that are theoretical and, and tools that are going to get better and going to help. Um, but I'm all about what's, what's working today. Right. Understanding where things are going and what's going to help us in the future. But um, there's a lot of missed tools that are not being used efficiently now and, and used well now, and, and, it's, and a lot of that is, is mindset, it's process based. But there's some there's some great great things that guys can do now with with and get and and we, we before we jumped on here, Dave and I were talking R, ROI. There's some great tools that bring some instant ROI to projects that guys just don't understand because um, they're, they're looking at it from kind of old school mentality we have in the industry as far as communication and stuff. So that's also something I'm hoping to bring to it and show that, hey, you know, a tool like this, right? Great auto ROI with, with different softwares that are using this, you know, have these platforms. Um, and there are others that are, you know, companies buying to, and I've seen millions of dollars spent on software, at standard project management RFI based software uh, that doesn't improve the process overall. Um, years ago, we did a, you know, I work for the old, old company that I work for, we did a time study and found it actually was at the time and it, unfortunately the software hasn't got much better but it was it was actually better to do uh paper and fax than it was to plug in an RFI electronically and email it and nowadays we're still doing emails and and unfortunately a lot of emails and attachments <laughs> so yeah
0: yeah i've seen that whole very thing where companies will you know they get they get bought off on a, a package of technology and there's Two that come to mind, one, you know, thinking about them uh, where, you know, they, they adopt on it. You know, maybe this software is made by the same company that makes their ERP or something like that. So they're like, oh, yeah, we have to use this because it ties into that. doesn't really tie into that. And then nobody adopts it in the field. Like nobody's driving the adoption. They, You know, they got the accounting team that signed this three-year contract or whatever, and, and it's all because it ties into an ERP system. But if nobody's putting in the data, it's not really tying into your ERP system. Or on the other side you got this, you know, big rising, you know, star for submittals and stuff out there right now. And a company will sign, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar, you know, half million dollar, whatever you know, one year contract on it. And the field teams are left stranded and nobody's doing the implementation and you're like yeah. well, yep. what the hell are, what benefits are you what getting are out doing? of this thing? Yeah. Like yeah, it's like, <laughs> you're, you're like come on. Like, the, the, if the, if you use the tools, then let's say that they don't work, but just not yeah. use the tools drives me crazy. Even though, you know, it's competitive products, project products to what I push. Um, I still like to see the adoption. I want to know where people's heads are at in that whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of money being spent right now on, on, um, uh, on tools that have really good marketing. Yeah. yeah.
2: You, you, you just open up another, another box. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I, I got some thoughts on that. The, uh, well, for one, you know the fact. Well, my my a mentor of mine used to always say, uh, they're, "They're a bunch of uh, uh, suits suits with features is what they are. Uh, they 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 look good on the outside, and they just got some features attached to them, but they don't really operate right. They don't they don't really do the job that you want them to do. Um, and the other in companies, I I get the guys who involved in the business decisions aren't necessarily always engaged in the field. In, in that sense uh, but yeah it all it always and for years it's always driven me just as a project manager really uh, just crazy uh, to see the amount of operational decisions for software that are made by accounting uh, departments or maybe made by the, the CFO um, and how many how many and it just it just and I get the business decision that that they they are taking care of their own in-house you know process right mm-hmm. um, but those softwares, in back in the day, like, you know, V point back in the day, right. It was, it was a big one and really good on the counting side or prologue really good on the counting side and, you know, help on the you know, product side, but just R flies and smiddles, like just, you could not use them. Spreadsheets was, it was, was 10 times faster than trying to use those for R for files and smiddles. And, and you still got the I, same, same other thing going on. I was
0: just trying my damnedest not to mention anybody by name. But- yeah, yeah, you, you did I'm, it, man.
2: I'm, I'm not talking now, I'm talking, <laughs> talking You did man.
0: it. You did it. No, it's good. It's good. Like <laughs> yeah. I'll see the same thing. Like somebody somebody will adopt something, you know, like a viewpoint teams or, or whatever it is. Not yeah. not dogging them, but you know, yeah. whatever the expensive platform it is, and then they're they're their uh, uh PE and PMs, they'll just go out and, you know, put uh smart sheets on a freaking uh credit card, company yeah. credit card and expense it, and that's what they'll use. They'll just manage everything in a you know, a spreadsheet yeah. in the cloud but instead of doing everything through this really expensive platform. It's like, well, you kind of fell short there, guys. Like, yeah. you, you know, you got to get this team over here involved with it, and then kind of figure out what all that feedback needs to look like.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and the implementation side is big too, uh, and that's and that's where I, I go back to mindset of even pulling back to before you even get the tool. That's right. I teach on the process of IPC, you know, integrated collaboration uh, as a foundation, right? Let, let's talk the foundation of how we're going to communicate, how we're going to document, how we're going to actually have the information flow, not just in-house, um, but but to mainly the projects, right? Mm-hmm. It's the projects that are going to drive, and from a construction company, you know, that's driving your image to the owner, to the quality, to your subcontractors, um, how well you are, you know, to, to work with I mean, There's so much that drives that as far as from a business strategy standpoint. Um, but that, that that to me is 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 core to, I mean, you're, you're in business to build buildings, right? Let's focus around that part. Um, in-house stuff, so something else, I might mean, like AA talk about it, but you talk about shared data and non-shared data. And actually, I, I sometimes in presentation, I show this, but there's, uh, I have a list of 50 plus documents that we on um, construction probably have to manage from, Meeting minutes to images to smittles to RFIs, asis drawings all that 50 plus documents out of those 58 or, or 50 plus I think I had 51 or 53 on the last list I had um, eight only eight of them were actually non-shared proprietary data so your contracts change orders uh, basically the side that we're deciding make a business decision to manage on on as a as a company. We're making, we're letting eight, those eight documents drive the software and technology we use to manage the rest of them. And, that, and that's where you get projects that are. And I've, I've talked to companies where they have a software system that was bought in here, and then they bought another million dollar software to manage projects here. Neither of them are really working well for projects. And they're literally taking information from one, because that's what ties in their accounting system, and then pulling it out. And then re-plugging it in so now you got double data entry just to then communicate with their subcontractors um and, and this is for saying our files middles i mean project management shared data stuff um and that's another side you know of, of you know uh, integrated collaboration is not just with bim but i get into the digital data side as well um, and how we're going to share the plans how we're going to share the specs uh meeting minutes Smittles, even, um, and, and yes, there are you know softwares you know doing 360 where everyone has access to it. Okay, that's good. We need we need to know where those are. And we need to have a system where everyone's engaged in it. Um, I still, even with guys using using different uh, software systems, where the BIM team is not plugged, none of no one involved in BIM or the Core H side, besides for the uh, the few PMs that are involved, are actually engaged in, or, or, or have access to the project information like smittles. And you know, even ASIs really are, are more of passed along to the team. Um, and then you get you get version issues. You got you got different things that come up. Uh, and you're still anytime you're pulling it out to, to you know, emailing someone the information versus go putting putting them plugging into you know the software, uh, you're you're, you're going to have issues there with communication and stuff missing, guys getting left out. And uh, anyway, so. But, yeah, so the software side is, is a big one. I mean, that's, uh, again, the mindset around standard project management communication versus uh, doing more integrated collaboration approach. Um, so that's, that's, that's why I, I, I yep. teach that, and, it, you know, hopefully it gets through. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's, do, it's doable. Lord. I mean, all, all project sizes, you know, BIM, BIM or not, I mean, it's doable. Yeah,
0: it is. I well, agree. Well, I know I'm going to sit through one of your, your classes pretty soon. So I'm really looking forward to uh, finding out a little bit more about, about how you're doing what you're doing. The, uh, this whole uh, integrative uh, collaboration coordination thing that you're, you're uh, coining here though, man, I'm totally ripping that off. I love that. That is just, it, it's such a good, uh, easy way to communicate uh, what we're trying to talk about here. I, I love it.
2: Ah, but I appreciate it. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it works, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 just, it's a change. I mean, we're so, yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's a tough industry to get the change. Right? A lot of, oh yeah. The good thing I'll say about that though, is there are, you know, where we're, we're seeing at least in my generation. I, I, I kind of say this, I, I am still technically a millennial, you know, I don't identify as one, um, but we do, you know, our our age group is getting into more of a senior level. So yeah. there is that shift, which yeah. I think that's where you're seeing a lot a lot of software technology guys are recognizing that. Um, you know, investors are recognizing that. We have what what sixteen I like sixteen billion dollars being pumped in our industry uh, just this last year in investment in, in technology. I mean it's yeah. astounding what's what's happening it's, it's a whole just a revolution happening right now of, of technology. So it's it's exciting. I mean that's to me, come back to that foundation because I mean, tools are going to change. Autodesk, been through 60s and six months, can look different, or right? in a year, it's going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, the next tool online, line is going to look a lot different. And instead of, you know, chasing the next shiny thing, you know, look at the foundation of okay, here's what we want to do, here's what we want to accomplish. And yeah, we can plug in this tool and this tool and accomplish that, or hey, we can plug this one in and get 90% of the way there, and we're going to be far better than what we were. Well, let's understand that process and then get the right
0: technology to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, figure out the outcome and then uh, reverse engineer to get to the process and then plug and play the tools as needed.
2: Exactly.
0: Uh, I'm in that same mindset. I'm an elder millennial that doesn't claim the millennial generation. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: uh, You know, like I, I, I... it's part of me. Like I grew up in Texas, so it's like I don't wanna be lumped with that. I think of millennials as hipsters and all this. David's a, a millennial <laughs> for sure. It's, it's, like, it's like I don't want to yeah. be lumped with those guys, but uh I, yeah, I definitely am uh, you know, I have my moments. Uh but uh uh you know I gotta get David as a as a hippie one time in this episode, just like <laughs> every
1: episode. Every episode. Every episode.
0: Hashtag David is a hippie. Uh, um, but, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, so earlier in the in the podcast, you mentioned something. We were talking about garbage and garbage out. And, you know, we were talking about ARC, uh, not necessarily architects models, but getting models in general, and how um, you know they don't align or, or people you know getting us to give us stuff, but those walls got to be in the same place. Do you think that that is still a common issue, or is that like maybe an issue of two years ago, uh, or is these are these still pain points you're fighting today?
2: Um, the the biggest one today is uh, is just having the right content in the model that you're coordinating with, um, and that and that's a lot on the design models and, and mainly architectural right. You're you're by the time you're coordinating with, as a construction team, you're cutting down MVP because your trades are on that. Um, most projects still don't have the framers involved. Projects that do, they're far far ahead. Um, but uh, even then, I think certain jobs don't need to go to that level. There's companies that kind of require that as a standard. Uh, I think, you know, total, if your, if your contractor is going to use that, frame is going to use that, then great. Uh, but they, a lot of those models I've seen, they get more detailed and more time to spend their models than what they really need. Uh, but from the, from the design side, um, the, the two biggest things, the, the quality of, of the, the sizing, geom- the geometric-based content you get from architect is good. Uh, is, is definitely a lot better than it was a couple of years ago. Um, the two things I, I look at, though, is, is there's no verification or accountability on um, if the ceiling thicknesses are correct. So now you're having to go in and do manual checks and verify and, and constantly uh, doing that part. And then, again, you don't have the ability to go back and have necessarily have them fix it if it's not the right size. And then you're having to man the model or have to just make it, make it known amongst the design team or amongst the coordination team. Uh, and then, same thing on uh, walls. Again, you got to do manual, manual uh, checks. Uh, biggest thing I see on walls is not having full height, where there are full height walls versus partial. Uh, that comes into play. That's where I was telling David, I, I still do a lot of 2D. I mean, I, 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 use, I use some Navis classes to, to help with architectural, and you get a lot of false pauses, but there's, there's some ways that I, I teach on doing visual inspections with, with clash tests that way. Uh, but I still do a lot of 2D overlay uh, with that as well. Um, maybe it's because I grew up, you know, kind of in, in that old school with CAD and stuff and, and using that. But it's still I haven't found a project Revit still hasn't replaced that. Um, so still doing some 2D overlays to, to be able to do some visual checks and proximity to walls and soffits and that sort of thing. Um, soffits is one that's usually is, is a lot of models don't have modeled full soffits or at least the vertical uh, portions of those. So you can't necessarily clash that. Um and there's just a lot of stuff that, yeah, you can't term, but you can't you can't clash your way out of things, right? There's a lot of visual inspection that's still needed. Um Dave, you you not understand this, and hopefully Revit structural side gets helps guys get this, but structural models I still see um, a lot of variation between what the prefab yeah. comes out with. That oh, okay. needs to, that needs to get better, because um, there's a lot of coordination happen in the design model or during design phase that impacts greatly when you get the prefab um, gussets and 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 all your uh, c channel and all your extra bracing that you get on details and there's a lot of that and i i always go back and and, and this kind of separate deal by talk about the you know the gap in the information that we have to manage in, in coordination and we look at the quality uh, or the amount of data that's known when construction documents are released right i kind of ask general is there ever project you have 100% information known Right, and the answer is no, you don't. Um, but if it's greenfield and, and just the building itself, right, even design document, you still don't in the models. And you got, you know, because you got all, all the architectural stuff and I say we're eighty percent away there, um, steel maybe sixty seven percent, because you know, all the all the missing information, um, and that's where software getting better up front and easier for design teams to get more information in. That's why that's that's why I say when it comes to fixing, you know, getting BIM to the next level, it's, it's that piece. Um, but yeah, over the last two years, architectural models got better. is still missing uh, quite a bit. MEP uh, side, I mean, really, just it's, it's hit or miss. I mean, electrical usually don't have much in there. Um, and even that, the equipment layouts, not with what the, the trades are going to do. Yeah. Um, you got systems going through steel all over the place usually, and there's, there's just no there's no coordination. Uh, majority, most, most yeah. projects. There are guys who out there are, are owning it and doing really good with it and, and they're really helping out the contractors, but yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I've got a I've got a few electrical contractors that have figured it out, but for the most part, you're right, man. It's just kind of a a varied smattering of who's using what and how much they're putting in. I do wanna get back to something though. You said yeah. um uh, you know, earlier that walls aren't in the right place, and sometimes uh, the structural steel is in there. These, this is these are very important. That uh, for reasons that people don't even think about, so walls being in, in the correct place. And I, I run into this a lot where they'll uh, fake dimension the walls in. Uh, I know you've probably seen that quite a bit, uh, David, where they'll uh, alter the dimensions uh, oh, yeah. in Revit. Um, happens all the time. But when I go do layout, it actually wants to do if I'm laying out off that Revit model. It want it doesn't care what those dimensions are. It cares where the wall physically occupies. Yeah. Yep. So all of my points along that wall for my you know uh, stud tracks and all that stuff they're off, and it's all because somebody fudged in that uh, <laughs> that dimension. And that's a pain in the butt. It is.
2: Um, yeah. um, so well, those, but here's here's one on a job I'm doing right now, uh, uh, a part of right now, a bathroom a uh, plan view. And uh, the large plan for the bathrooms are laid out with dimension. The wall layout configuration is different than the plan, which is different than the model. Uh, and then even the fixture locations are dimensioned and different than what's in the model. So something as, as this, and again, I mean, someone tell me I have the conversation with the design team and, you know, in the coordination meeting, like, oh, well, look at, look at my dimensional plan. I was like, no, we're looking at the model. The model says this dimension. I, I, I need to stay in the model and to coordinate it, but Anyways, that, 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 that's the biggest area I, I do see that more in the details of kitchen layouts, bathroom layouts, um, yeah. that, that sort of stuff.
0: Do you do, you, do you do a lot of residential or is this commercial?
2: Uh, this, this is commercial. I've done some some high, high rise, multifamily family stuff. Um, not okay. too much on not, nothing really smaller than an eight story. I mean, we're, we're guys are really collaborating. Fortunately, those guys, like, the trades that do those, they're 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 good. They know what to do. You know, they know what to expect. risers are are where they are and that's there's you know the the coordination on those are are simpler i to me they should be coordinated uh clt is something that you know with clt coming out and a lot more uh, prefab on the wood side i think there's a greater need for them to coordinate more than what they are now just as a standard um but that's that's a different conversation
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> um you guys are doing a lot more clt where you guys are at that whole spokane valley seems to be blowing up because the what was it a katera opened up a lab out there or something yeah are
2: Some going out here and, and seeing a lot i've done i've done uh, uh seen a lot more in Portland. i do a lot of work in portland and seattle All right. um Yeah california but yeah portland's a big for the clt side Seattle, it's, it's going to seattle and portland's taking off with it too
0: yeah i had a, a before i moved I'm, I'm no longer in portland i'm in pittsburgh now um before I left Portland, though, I had a general contractor that did some remarkable, um, uh, CLT work, uh, commercial buildings, just beautiful. I, I love that, uh, yeah. architectural structural, you know, uh, blend. So, so real quick though, um, I wanted to get back to what I was saying about things being in the right place. And the only reason is because I want, I was wanted to ask you this. So I, I, we do a lot of stuff where we'll scan and we'll scan and compare against the model for verification. And if the model is garbage, like we don't, you know, nothing's modeled correctly or they do drew the wrong size, you know, um, channel, whatever it is, you know, wrong size steel has been used in the model, but the engineers, you know, detail and specified. when we go through verification, It'll show it is all off. Do you do much verification in your current processes? Or are you more focused on streamlining the whole collaboration side of things, uh, coordination side of things?
2: More, uh, I, I have always been more focused on the coordination side, um, on the front end, and, and not so much on, on the QC, on the back end, on the as-builds. It's always been something, you know, obviously, a requirement you put in place, and those tools are getting better and, and more efficient. Scanners and stuff are getting more efficient and easier to use. Uh, where scanners and where I've seen this come into play, though, is actually on a, um, uh, a TI or build-out on a project that was just finished, contractors stepping in and the TI team stepping in just after the uh, the, the, the corn shell was finished, different teams, the ASBILs we received literally just, I mean, weeks after the project's done, we had large trunk lines, uh, I mean, large main ductwork that was off by 15 feet. And re and the architect, I mean, they, they, and luckily we, we scanned the building and that was the biggest thing is, Hey, this is, you know, we, we need to scan this. Uh, so, so we, we scanned the building and yeah, 15 feet off of the main, just on the Asbuilt models. Um, so I mean that, that's a huge, I mean, it's a huge deal. I mean, to, to have yeah. accurate ASBITs. Um, And then, I mean, obviously if that was a full build out and you're going to, you know, the, the QCPs, they hand the, the owners uh fully coordinated model. I mean, actual accurate models is, is big. Um, I mean, more for the construction side. But I mean, too many, there's been too many. Another point about that on the on the, our, our owner side and what guys give owners. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of owners that don't, that maybe the design team, someone may specify to require this, this full 3D model as built. The owner's paying for it, but they never use it. Right? That's, yes. that's another thing when I get into the thing is early on is, hey, we, we got to understand what is that final product we're going to give and why. Uh, I've seen a lot of specifications of guys getting to even using Navis or other things to track equipment and 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 plug trying to plug the data back in the back in the models and the owners are never going to use it. You guys spend thousands yeah, of, of thousands of hours, you know, putting it together for it to sit on in you know, a file somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this is something we talk about a lot too. So we we had Johan Tuckler on a few episodes back, probably about ah, three or four, yeah. and uh, we talked about uh, so the owner side of BIM, right? They you know, they're paying for BAM, they're paying for a model, but that model's garbage for them because, you know, nothing was ever really specified. They didn't have an owner's rep. They didn't know what they needed Their And, you know, their facilities team didn't get involved. Whatever the reason may be, they've got a model at the end of this where, you know, the walls, the, you know, all of the, you know, beautiful architectural stuff, the, you know, um, you know, furniture plan, all that stuff's over modeled, But uh, the things that they need, the systems, you know, all that stuff. Um, is under modeled because it happened in another software. It happened in, say, fabrication CAD MEP. They, you know, got through coordination. They then they the the subcontractors dumped, jumped out and did their detailing in another software. Um, and then they've got to go back and refer to some O and M manual or, or uh, you, know, uh, you know binder somewhere to get information on warranties and, and all that sort of stuff. It, yeah. it never ties back in for the owner. So it's definitely a big pet peeve of ours, and it's a conversation we try to drive. Um, but I think this is a big hitting point that we're going to have to talk about, you know, for years to come until um, something changes in the industry.
2: Yeah, and, there, and, there's, and it's definitely a, a conversation um, and, and something why, why I, we, we offer what I call a BIM, BIM commissioner, right? It's, it's kind of that, that owner's rep for the BIM side. Uh, when we come in, you know, hopefully during design phase, we can actually help clarify some of the specifications for the owner, and what they're going to need at day one when they take over the facility from from a model standpoint, because uh, there, there's various on what your your owner is going to need, right? Some guys, uh, some guys aren't aren't going to need full 3D models, and there's still process I do even in CAD that gives them, you know, basically live uh, or, or, or interactive PDFs, right? Where guys can open up and have hyperlinks to to where documents are stored, right? So still usable on the phone. Uh, that's slowly really going away a lot more guys are get, get more sophisticated especially as the fm systems are getting more uh, sophisticated with the models so then you get into that side of things where uh hey we're gonna we're gonna have a fully integrated model in our facility management system we're gonna use some uh some of those you know big systems out there that that integrate that way and then it's a matter of okay what data sets are needed what data sets? how are they going to look and what is that going to take to do that um there's a uh, a hospital, for example, that uh, uh, was working on and kind of early on. It was it was it was another another part of our, our, our company uh, when I was last company I was working for. But they were working on this, and it was it was taking uh, it was going to be six figures plus to get the data to s- upfront during design phase to be in the right proper format for the system to take it. Uh, and there's a lot, a lot of data mining in Revit. We're using some other tools to plug in. Uh, but it was a large process to get the right data and have everyone in Revit as a requirement. So then you are having some of those guys take things fabrication. Uh, so then it's you know, how we're going to QC that, how we're going to bring that back in and data collect that inside Revit. Uh, that is not a smooth process yet. And there's a, that, that was taking a lot of man hours to get that to work, to work right um and that was fortunately that was having the conversation early on we were talking during design phase we're three four years out before the project's done and we're forcing the owner to make a decision on the facility management software they're going to use so that we can know what the information we're going to collect now or how we're going to create those data sets now as we're creating the models if we would waited wait until you know handoff or in construction you know that conversation is gone now you're you know four times the amount of man hours in order to then collect and, and use the data in that way. Yeah, um, you're adapting that, to the situation that you have at that point. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the ROI goes out, out the window and, and, and all that. So, um, yeah. and there's also, I mean, you know, same I see CLC projects that are over specified on what is required for the owner and they're not, you know, they don't need it or they don't need some data sets out of the model, they don't need the model itself or, or it's just, it, it varies. Um,
0: we've seen owners uh, request Kobe formats because they didn't know what they needed uh, because they hadn't made a decision on a plan on a facilities uh, system. And then at the end of the project, they needed like, you know, five things. So we've got this ridiculously overbuilt model at the forefront and I'm telling you hundreds of hours went into this Kobe (laughs) setup. It was insane. We used the whole extension and still, even with the extension, it takes a long, long time. Um, ultimately, you know, what ends up happening is we just use DB, DB link and dump stuff out cause it was easier to edit, but, uh, yep. um, and oh that, my gosh, man, like yeah. it's pain. And,
2: and that's kind of the process that I, that I've used in cat in, in the same, the same thing. You get into Excel, you dump it into Excel, you organize it, link it back up. You know, we, yep. we, we, we used to do a process. We do that. We use just basic tags, you know, you do it in Rev as well, but tag it, export it out, Excel, give that to the commission agent. You know they're filling out the information anyways, so they're filling it out for you. Plug it back in, and, and you got. In the, I minute that's taking the data in and out, but Rev there's so much more to it, uh, and just organizing those data sets. But there's some good. I mean, like I said, that's why you get some good tools out there that are mining that data and able to manipulate and run queries and uh, tests on the data itself. And that, you know, like I said, until Revit has that built in, uh, a lot more the UI is easier. You're going to need those tools, and they're um, they're they're worth they're pricey, but they're worth it. I mean, there there there's some there's some neat tools out there for that.
0: Well, you need to get Jesse to hook you up with some of our tools for free. We've got some plug-in <laughs> that'll make your life a little bit easier, especially as you want to ed, uh, edit a bunch of uh, information all at once. Um, so you can conform to standards or create these parameters on the fly. Get Jesse to hook you up with some licenses, man. Like it'll make your life a lot easier if you ever run into that situation again.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get into this myself, but I, I need to know. I, I have the back to be able to hand those tools to other people, uh, for sure. So, yeah, it's, all right. It's, it's, it's but I, 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 need to get into those, uh, be able to understand them better. Uh, yeah, I, I help, I help guide the team in the direction they need to go and what tools to, to use from there. Cool, cool. So hopefully I'm not doing too much of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope the manual part of that has passed me, but I don't know. I see getting the models more and more these days and, and getting to help my guys out. So we'll see. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, David. I think this was a great podcast. I think we shared a lot of good information throughout this podcast. And I, I definitely look forward to having you on again.
2: Oh, definitely. Hey, likewise, guys. I appreciate the conversation. I love it. We can keep going, but, uh, yeah, we got, we got to cut this off at some point.
0: Yeah. man. I'm having to mute myself every like 30 seconds. Cause my kids are running around upstairs. Oh
1: dude. I know. Uh, i am <laughs> like stop, my stop, home stop, office stop, stop, here, stop, here hanging out. No, no, <laughs>
2: Oh, well, I appreciate it, guys, for sure. Definitely. Well,
0: well all right. Real guys. quick, dude, uh, how can yep. people find you? You, know, you got your own website and uh, you're doing a lot of stuff on yeah. LinkedIn.
2: Uh, yeah, so I'll see. Uh, yeah, so, so find me on LinkedIn, David Corticost, uh LinkedIn there. Uh, also, got a website, bimsynergistics.com. And then I also got a YouTube channel, I got Synergistics there. Kind of, uh, there's going to be some. Uh, content i'm going to kind of pull off what i have here on linkedin i'm going to do a lot more on, on youtube as far as video base uh getting to do some bim talks uh talking bim talking project management talking uh, workflows as well as getting into some bim tips and and kind of just getting the software demonstrations on that side and then also uh, i'm on facebook uh i don't get as much on that as far as the company yeah. bim synergistics on facebook but uh follows there i'm, I'm keeping up on uh, uh workshops. And then, uh, yeah, tie into our our website, we've got uh, articles that uh, are going to be coming. What we have now also going to have future workshops that are coming out both on BIM leadership uh, as well as uh, uh, workshops like BIM execution plans, uh, running IPC projects, uh, pre-construction workflows around BIM. And then uh, look out here, May 1st, going to be having a uh, course being released on BIM leadership and more courses to follow through the month of May. So, uh, okay, yeah, so that's kind of where we're headed. So keep out on the website and uh, follow me on LinkedIn.
0: I love the the content creation, man. Uh, keep it up. We'll definitely yeah. share some links uh, on, on our blog for our for our uh, podcast. We'll definitely share some links directing to you. And um, we wish you all the best, man. And, uh, you know, we look forward to having you on another episode.
2: Okay. appreciate it, guys. Definitely. All right. Have a good Thanks weekend, talk. guys. Yeah, you guys, too.